Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am back again today with Dr. Lori Early. If you have not watched our first episode, you should definitely go back and check that. And she is a doctor of acupuncture, Chinese medicine, and NAT, NAET practitioner. I never say that right. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Uh, it's cold here. We're in the Texas storm. Ooh. So the anniversary of last year's Texas storm. So luckily we're, it's not as bad, but the kids are home from school today. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have my little blanket here. Oh, hopefully it's handled better than last year's was. Oh yeah, it it has been so far. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, it's pretty cold here too. This is my first winter in well over a decade. So yeah, yeah, so it's it's not too bad. I'm, you know, I'm adjusting. So I had initially reached out to you to come back because I wanted to talk about, you are one of the few people who is addressing this at all. Um, mm-hmm. I really haven't seen many people discussing it, at, at, you know, in the general population, but not in the medical community. And uh, I think it's really important um, because I think particularly for women, you know, when I, so I'll just say this, I, I had, you know, the C virus. And after that, I experienced tremendous hair loss. It was constant shedding. And mm-hmm. to be fair, I've had hormonal disruption before I was diagnosed mm-hmm. with PCOS in the past. You know, then they say no, then they say yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's all over the place. I think the, I think the science isn't super clear on all that stuff. Um, so right. they slap a label on things because that's easier than really trying to get to the root of what's going on. Um, but I, to be fair, I've experienced hair loss in the past. And so it's easy to say, oh, well then, you know, it's just your hormones are out of balance. I've actually had my hormones tested and they're really not so out of balance. So, uh, right. for me right now, they're actually pretty good. So, um, mm-hmm. so it's not, that isn't it, but I was experiencing just like clumps and my hairdresser really noticed it. And all this to say that I think as women in particular, you know, men to some degree, but I think it's more normal for men to experience hair loss and men tend to shake off a lot of that kind of stuff much more easily. Whereas women, like my hairdresser's first response was you have to cut your hair. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I chopped it for me, this was pretty short, you know, um, and she put me immediately on all these different shampoos and my mom gave me a bunch of vitamins, you know, um, the typical kind of, uh, uh, solutions that, you know, you would take, but that doesn't address the problem. And furthermore, it means people aren't discussing it. They're hiding it. 
Right. And I, I'm a firm believer that things need to be discussed. At least the questions need to be raised because, you know, you can find answers on happenstance, but that's pretty rare, right? Usually mm-hmm. you have to go and seek out uh, the, you have to raise the question before you can find the answer. So I was right. really encouraged to see that you were discussing this and you had some theories on it and uh, you were seeing it both personally and in your practice. So I want yeah. to see what yeah, you're so- Mm-hmm. I, I had the C virus in mid July mm-hmm. and I did not run fever. Although, um, I was relatively sick acutely for about three days, more like a flu, like, you know, just very fatigued chills and fever. Um, and then after that, the recovery after about a week or so, I was pretty much okay. Um, and the only thing that lingered and has lingered is a little bit of fatigue and a cough. Um, however, I would say at the end of August, I started noticing that my hair was shedding and I, one of my patients is a hairdresser and I was talking to him about it and I was like, Hey, what can I do? And he was like, Oh, use the shampoo. It stops the shedding and it's used for hair growth. And I was like, awesome. Um, I started using it. There was absolutely no change whatsoever in my hair loss. And I was probably losing like clumps this big. Mm-hmm. And, and they were, when they were coming out, it wasn't like my hair was breaking. It was coming out from the root where it still had the white bulb of the follicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really concerning. And um, I went to my hairdresser And she could actually see like every other follicle had been empty. It was empty. Um, So I had lost, I would say probably not half, but at least a third of my hair. And so I did chop my hair off. It was, it was quite a bit longer. Um, And what made me start to dig deeper into this was around the same time that I was going through that, I had a patient who I hadn't seen in a couple of years come back for the sole reason of hair loss. And as we started talking, she was sharing with me a very similar timeline. She got sick around the same time. And then about four to six weeks later, just massive hair loss. Luckily for her, she started out with massive amounts of hair. So it wasn't too bad, but it was distress, distressing seeing these globs of hair in the shower. Um, And So I started seeing this more and more in my patients as I was recognizing it through myself and her story and everything seemed to have like a very specific timeline. And then I was um, on Instagram and one of one of the girls that I follow, she has a pretty big audience and she started talking about it. So when I reached out to her, we kind of were on the same page with everything. And so we got on a couple lives together to discuss it. And we were just getting, I, I got hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of DMs from women across, you know, the platform, just uh-huh. sending me pictures. Some people have lost the majority of their hair. They were wearing hats, they were getting extensions, etc. cetera. Um, and so I was like, there has to be a, a bigger picture here. This is something like you said, hormones are fine. I was doing blood work on patients. There was nothing that was like glaringly obvious saying, Hey, 
this is this is what it is. Let's just get some zinc on board or vitamin Bs or biotin or magnesium. There was nothing that was like, this is the cause or their hormones were off or their thyroid was off. It was something different. And what led me to my theory, which I believe it's radiation poisoning, mm -hmm. is rewind back to early summer. This was before the hair loss. And I had a patient who um, came to me and she had rash from about her neck to her chest and like these blotches and patches. And then they were kind of covering her arms too. And she told me, she said, this is so weird because where I have this rash is where I hugged my grandmother. So backstory with her grandmother was she had recently had the thing in her arm she within a matter of a couple of days she went blind had a stroke and was in hospice and as she was in hospice and as it happens as we're passing away we sweat profusely and so she was sweating and my patient hugged her and wherever the sweat touched she got this rash on her body so before she had come to see me she had gone to a dermatologist. Her dermatologist just said it was eczema, gave her a steroid. And when I looked at it, I was like, that looks like a radiation burn to me. And so I do NAET. That's an allergy elimination technique where I muscle test and I can treat the patient for whatever it is that they're weak to so that they no longer have a disharmony with whatever it is. So when I tested her for radiation, it was very weak and I put it over where her rash was and it, it told me that it was radiation. So as soon as I treated her for radiation, the, the rash started to go away pretty quickly. So that was kind of my initial like, okay, there's something going on with someone who has recently had the, the thing in their arm and radiation because they're able to pass it on, you know, through contact like that. Right. I was just going to ask, what, do, what treatment did you use for her? Um, okay. So I used NAET. So I treated her for radiation so that she could clear it out of her system. Right. And then I also have, I use a product line where they have certain binders that are very specific to what you want to like mop up. And the product line has one that's specific for radiation. So I gave her the binder and then I opened up her pathways, like her detox pathways, like the liver, kidneys, lymph, et cetera, so that she could flush it out more quickly. Wow. Mm -hmm. and, and you saw- uh, she So she cleared up really quickly. Um, so yeah, whenever the hair started happening and I started getting these messages from my audience, they were telling me some of them had been through cancer and they've been through chemo and they've been through radiation. And they would tell me, this is exactly how it was when I was going through radiation. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is totally making sense now. Like all the puzzle pieces are coming together. You know, they're starting to fit together. Like wow. that is a component. Right. So, um, learning that I got on the radiation binder Mm -hmm. And, um, I started optimizing my pathways and another key that, 
that's what it was, was when I was doing the binder, it was knocking me out. I was so tired. I was like, okay, we found something here. Like I have a massive amount of radiation. So going into that theory um, in, I don't remember, must've been October or early November. I went in for a training with the company that I use their product and the the practitioner, the physician who owns the company, he actually came and spoke to me one off because I was telling him, I was showing him my hair loss. And, you know, I was like, all my blood work is fine. This is happening to my patients. Um, I did not tell him my theory because I didn't want to, I I didn't want, you know, I wanted to see what he had to say to me because he was teaching a muscle testing course. So he came up and was like, okay, um, he, he started like muscle testing me with all these different components where it could be. And when he got to the radiation vial, like it was so far away from me and I was still so weak, just indicating that I was full of it basically. Um, yeah. So he was like, I'm getting its radiation. And I just about like, I had tears in my eyes and I go, that's exactly what I've been thinking too. And so I, um, I told him my story and he put me on a very specific plan, um, basically getting off most of my supplements and just really focusing on mitochondrial health, cellular health, opening up my pathways and kind of binding the, um, the radiation and flushing it out. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was really cool to get that confirmation because I didn't want to tell him. Right, know? right. <laughs> but then for you to both have that uh, yes. discovery, that, that's very uh, validating. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. What's so fascinating to me about this is that, you know, there's theories, I think you and I have talked a little bit about it, um, but there's theories that most of the major um, illnesses throughout history have coincided oh, uh-huh. with sort of toxin and an increase in industrialization, um, which is yeah. also radiation because we have mm-hmm. a higher uh, radioactive load when with more industrialized products. So exactly. Uh, and human beings are capable of handling radiation, but we all have a threshold and we have a threshold. Uh, certainly part of it is what we're used to. And then yep. there is an increase in that. It's like any kind of toxicity. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's going to handle it differently and everybody has a different uh, ability to handle it. So, yeah, I'm in a, um, one of the things that I did at the beginning of 2020 was I, I first saw how different my perspective was on the happenings around me in, in comparison to my colleagues. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, my colleagues, I would say about 95% of them have taken the narrative and run with it. And they believe wholeheartedly in hashtag trust the science and things like that. So I became kind of a lone wolf amongst my profession. Mm -hmm. And I started seeking out those who were like-minded with me. And so I created a group of women across the nation. There's about eight of us and we're on a group text. And we were actually talking about this because, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that are coming out like, oh, these are ascension symptoms or these are, um, 
you know, symptoms of X, Y, Z. But then when we all kind of come back together, because we're having similar stories, not only with the hair loss, but with dizziness, hearing going in and out, brain fog, um, just hot, like I get heart palpitations just out of nowhere for no reason, like kind of stopping and then like boom, yeah, boom. A couple of days and I thought it was panic attacks, but I, I will just share with you. I, yeah. for me, I've had panic attacks for most of my life. So mm-hmm. I'm really good at once I know it's a panic attack, I can talk myself through it and calm myself yeah. down and you know, it's not pleasant, but I know it's a panic attack and I know I'm going to be fine. I had a couple of instances of this like heart racing you know, mm-hmm. and like weird head foggy yeah. stuff and like tingling in my hands, yes. certain parts of my body. And I I kept thinking, oh, this is just like a really bad panic attack, but I couldn't calm myself down. The symptoms did not subside and it just kind of kept escalating to the point mm-hmm. where granted, I was under a lot of stress and anxiety. So I just chalked it up to that, but I mm-hmm. felt like these symptoms were very physiological in a way that I'm not familiar with. So that's fascinating to hear. Yeah. So we all came to the conclusion that it's likely the 5G or the radiation exposure, just because we're all experiencing things out of the blue that are so abnormal, you know? Um, So, yeah. Well, there, there have been studies that have come out saying that there is a link to the, you know, the five, uh, mm-hmm. psycho, yeah, yes. it's, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So what were some of the things that they were finding? Um, so it was more about like what we were feeling on our own. I feel like I'm one of the only practitioners who actually works directly and so openly um, with patients who are on the same page as I am. Right. Um, So they kind of, a lot of my friends, they don't really, their patients don't know where they stand on things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I also feel like I've had before 2020, one of my specialties was working with kids, teenagers, adults who have been pharmaceutically injured. And so now that we're seeing the mass increase of that happening over the past year, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my patients more about all of these things. Mm-hmm. But as far as like what my friends are seeing, one of them was, she's younger than me, probably mid thirties. And she was like, I really thought I was having a stroke. The symptoms were all the same. It was that tingling mm-hmm. that just feeling like faint, the heart pressure. And we're like, where is this coming from? She was like, she said she was just eating breakfast in her, her kitchen, like nothing, nothing too weird, but it was just like these waves just coming over us. Wow. So you, prior to this, were working with pharmaceutically injured uh, patients, and uh, we're seeing a lot more of that now, Um, as much as the media and the news outlets have tried to suppress it, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do so because the numbers are so high, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Can you you talk a little bit about what you have seen? And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Sure. So... um... Well, prior to this, I was working with a lot of patients who had had Gardasil. So Mm -hmm. when 
kind of a common link with the Gardasil is that one of the first symptoms patients will get, and oftentimes is completely ignored, is damage to their gut. So either their their body can no longer um, process the food, and so as soon as they start eating, they immediately have to go to the bathroom, or it's just kind of paralyzed. So they can eat, but nothing gets through. And so it's just a lot of damage to the, the gut. Um, and secondly, we see a lot of heart, like heart racing, heat flushing up, things like that. So Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. And then a sensitivity to um, temperature. So they can no longer handle extremes like um, very, very cold or very hot. So their temperature regulation is really abnormal. Um, and then obviously the mitochondrial dysfunction, just the way in which um, their, their cellular structures have just been obliterated basically, you know? Um, so what I'm seeing now is something a little bit similar. Um, I'm treating a patient who had to quit college and just come back to home and was no longer really able to function. And one of the things that was a drastic change from when he received his second one um, was that every time he would eat, he's going to the bathroom, which is obviously not normal for a young man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, what I am seeing too is I had um, a spouse of a patient, and this patient is a very close patient of mine, um, who was, I guess, they both had their um, pharmaceuticals this year, and um, I guess in October, he started coughing up blood, and went to the doctor and they said it was um, pneumonia. And I was like, "Mm, that does not sound right. (laughs) You know, go back. And it, nothing was changing, you know, antibiotics weren't changing it or making it better. He just kept going downhill. Um, Come to find out um, he was on his way to the golf course and he got very disoriented and lost and he started having massive strokes. Um, So that's what eventually got him put into the hospital was the stroke. And then that's when they found cancer in his lungs and riddled all throughout his bones. So he had bone cancer and it was stage four, very progressed. Um, And in the meantime, they were trying to mitigate the strokes because they kept happening. So we were dealing with the strokes and the cancer. So unfortunately he passed away this week, which was so sad. But the crazy thing was he passed on Monday. And on Tuesday, I had a patient who was 30 and she came in because she emailed me last week and was like, Hey, 
all of my symptoms are coming back. I'm having massive migraines. My endometriosis is coming back. And um, I had discharged her because I had worked with her for about nine months on just chronic migraine. She was one of those where um, she had a headache every week of her life, basically, from the time she was a kid. She had painful cycles, et cetera. So when she came to see me, we switched a few things nutritionally, lifestyle. I did the NAET and acupuncture and herbs. And then after nine months, all of her symptoms were good. And I basically discharged her and put her on a maintenance plan where she was coming in once a month. So when I got this email from her, um, she came in on Tuesday and I was like, what is going on with you? Um, she has not had the pharmaceutical thing. So that was something that I didn't have to worry about, right. but I was like, what has changed? Are you stressed? Um, what's going on? And she was like, no, I haven't been sick. I haven't changed my diet. I'm adhering to everything that, you know, your recommendations, et cetera. My sister's getting married. And I was like, that's not it. What else? And she was like, well, there's some stuff going on with my dad. Come to find out he had strokes and he just got diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is what the doctors wanted to diagnose this other patient with who just recently passed, but it ended up being, no, it's not that it's actually this type of cancer, but it was presenting as multiple myeloma, which is actually pretty rare. So yeah. when she told me this about her father, my, I just ran cold because I was like, that's exactly what was happening with this other patient, right? Mm -hmm. um, same presentation, same age, um, you know, both had been fully boosted. So it was just like, oh my gosh, we are seeing it so blatantly. Um, just the, how, you know, how quickly it's happening, how quickly it's unfolding. So this patient um, had been boosted or the father? This patient, the, so not the patient, but her father. So yeah. come to find out she was coming in because um, when I must, like, whenever I, I kind of had to pull it out of her, like what's changed. She was like, well, this is what's going on with my dad. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was like, well, that's super stressful because when did this start? And she said over the holidays, well, it's only been a month since then. So I started testing her and sure enough, it was like, um, you know, the emotions associated with what's happening with her dad. And so quickly, because he's so young, mm -hmm. um, so I treated her for that and hopefully that will help clear, you know, the migraines because I think it was that emotion that was, you know, setting the migraines off and the endometriosis pain again. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was just too much of a coincidence that same age group both had had the thing and he was being diagnosed and having the same symptoms as the patient who had just recently passed the day before. Um, yeah. And another thing is too, um, because of, I, I don't know if your audience is aware, I'm sure they are, but it is not a new thing for, um, in these, these vaccines to shed. And I'm talking about flu, MMR, um, shingles, chicken pox. There's a whole list of them in that we know. Uh-huh. In fact, in the old days, they used yes. to show mothers 
that you know the uh, in, like when the infants got their uh-huh. infection that they could oh yeah virus and to know that they were contagious. I yes. mean, that was like a common practice. It was you know a normal. I thing. know, and it's in the prescribing information. It's in the PI. Um, totally. So it's like we know all of these things, and it's like why are we dismissing it when it comes to this? Mm-hmm. So obviously what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing. Um, I have made a very hard line that anyone who has recently had theirs, they cannot come into the clinic for three weeks. That's to protect me, my associate, all of my patients. You know, we deal with, you know, a third of our practice is fertility. So we have to really protect those patients and, um, you know, while they're, while they're pregnant. So um, when I put this out, I had two boys come in. They were both under the age of 10, different families. And um, one of them, I, I just, I told the mom, I was like, hey, you know, after his second one, three weeks later, he can start coming back in and I'll start treating him again. So since then, so he, he got his first in November and then just this week. So since then, the family has already had the virus twice. Wow. So going back to what is it doing to our immune systems? Yeah. They were healthy for two years. And now, you know, 2020, they were good. 20, you know, 21, they were fine. Now they've already had the virus twice. Like, what is it doing? You know, we we know. I thought thought that was the idea. It was supposed to prevent you from getting sick, right? Right. That was the idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, that is really so sad. Um, it's, it's also really interesting to me though, that you're talking about, this is from people who haven't necessarily had it, but are around people who've had it. Um, mm-hmm. I did write an article on this, so I, I definitely did yes. something there. Um, you know, and I, I had, I wrote this back in, it was back in July and it was, uh-huh. I presented it as very hypothetical. I was like, you know, this is not hard evidence. I'm just drink, connecting dots for people and there's right. sources. So go look, go look for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I wanted to, because I think a lot of people, one, ever, so many people were just dismissing the theory. Um, and two, I wanted to at least, you know, not everybody can connect dots, you know, so I wanted to say like, here, here are some things that look like they might be connected. It's worth examining. Maybe this is total garbage, but you know, if it's garbage, it's easy to, to prove that, you know? So, um, but unfortunately a lot of those things seem to be coming to light and coming to the surface. So I, I definitely don't dismiss any of it, you know, mm-hmm. now, but the other thing that we're seeing, and I, I was just telling you this before we hopped on, but I personally experienced it. I am not somebody who gets like sick, you know, often, right. um, you know, I've, I've had my share of medical challenges, but those are, they're very different than like, you know, there's some people who have constitutions where they're constantly sick with the virus of flu right. and thing. And I'm not typically like that. You know, it's very, it's more of a rare thing for me to get sick. And I usually get over it pretty quickly, but I have in the past year and it, I was, it really wasn't like that in 2020, but it was, you know, like yeah. end of like second half of 2021, suddenly I'm constantly battling something, you know, and whether it's, you know, the 
the whatever the mainstream narrative is of you know mm -hmm. that iteration that they've been put forth um you know and some of the timelines do check out with that maybe that is accurate um but i know that just just a couple of days ago i was battling what we would have called the common cold a few right ago and then, you know that really was what it felt like but it's very odd because literally um, four weeks prior i was pretty sick with some sort of something that you know yeah may have been Omicron. We don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, they seem to be like that. So it's interesting to me. And then I know there are a lot of other people who are dealing with, you know, what they're calling, um, they're doing testing on it. There's both the, the long haulers kind of symptoms. And then there's the, the they're calling the post B uh, syndrome. Uh -huh. Oh, right. Yeah. And they're all doing tests on that. Yeah. But I feel like, and I've had patients come in who have obviously been pharmaceutically injured from it but they've been diagnosed as a long hauler. And I'm like, oh no, this is not long hauler. This is, this is injury. Yeah. I mean, I, but I, they're I, trying to put the label as long hauler on there. Um, so a couple things. One is we knew from the beginning, those of us who knew and knew that what was happening was wrong and the way that it was all being approached was wrong. We knew in the beginning that this was going to lead to all of us regardless of what we're doing to support our health, yeah. um, it was going to impact our immune systems because one of the, the fabric of life is interconnection and just being around and with people and that exchange of biome is what helps create a healthy immune system. So because we've had so much lack of that, um, plus having these over our faces and everything that we've been told is like, in exact contrast to what actual actually promotes health. So it's like, um, we knew that our immune systems were gonna tank. So I think we're seeing it now, even though we've done all we could to stay healthy. Um, and then second, we, you know, you and I talked about this, this new study that came out where long haulers are actually, um, what they're seeing is that <clears throat> once you get the virus, that it's actually um, triggering a latent Epstein-Barr infection. So that mono that we may have had when we were younger, um, that kind of went down and is latent. Once we got the virus, it re-triggered that. And it kind of was like a light bulb for me because I had a patient come in who <clears throat> was not feeling well. And <clears throat> sorry, she was, um, she tested negative for everything. And I was just like, what is going on with you? And just intuitively after talking to her, I was like, let me test you for Epstein-Barr real quick. So I got my muscle testing kit out, got the Epstein-Barr out and she was weak. And I was like, okay, we'll treat you for Epstein-Barr. Let's clear this out. And then the next week she was fine because she had been like, I mean, tanked for several weeks. And she finally came in and was like, what the heck? So when I treated her for that, it came back. So now fast forward a few months later, and we're getting this confirmation in the studies that something's triggering this Epstein-Barr to come, come out and play again. And that is no fun. It, it is exhausting. So I, like I said, it makes sense to me because I think I have um, long haulers. I got sick and I was, I was really okay during that acute period but I just can't get over this cough. And then when fatigue hits, it's like, I have got to go to bed 
but I do have weight in Epstein-Barr. Um, I was kind of blaming it on my boyfriend because <laughs> he, his house has a little bit of mold in it. And I was like, oh, it's because it's, um, you know, I'm around mold in his home. But, um, <laughs> but I was like, well, You're he's involved. fine. He's fine. Why am I not fine? And I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is making a little bit more sense. So, I mean, I do believe mold plays a part just because there's a piece of the puzzle in everything, right? Sure. But the thing about mold and certainly, and you would know this more than I would, but I mean, every, you know, mo most people are sensitive to mold, but there's oh, yeah. also mold like everywhere. And Every, some people are more sensitive yeah. than others, but it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, like that is kind of like a natural uh, product of life. So oh, for sure. Yeah. I can't blame it on everything as much as I would like to. <laughs> um, but Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, and I mean, certain people definitely have lower thresholds for, and there are places that are much higher in mold toxicity than, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but yeah. But, uh, yeah. so you, so you were thinking that's what it was and then, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting how it's like, I'm getting these confirmations later down the road. Like my intuition is either guiding me that way or just kind of connecting the dots, like, in, um, you know, oh. intellectually. Yeah, mm -hmm. both. I, I, I think, you know, that that's my observation of you. Um, yeah. But uh, so what are some of the, I, I've talked to people who, you know, may not have had uh, the Epstein-Barr mm -hmm. virus as well, who, and that's one of the most common things that, uh, actually, I just did a podcast with someone yesterday, and it, he had gotten over uh, the, the virus, but he said the thing he can't battle is the exhaustion. It's yeah. just- chronic and uh i'm hearing it from people who may not have i mean there's always the possibility that somebody has a dormant virus that you know right symptomatic they don't know yeah uh, but i think there is an element of it in general um i know that when i'm under more stress and more fatigue i mean granted i've been getting more of these uh, recurring whatever they are um yep. whenever something kicks up I'm, i start to get that little cough again and yeah. it really sets in um, and I just, my personality, I'm one of those people of like, if, it, unless I, unless I'm forced to be like tied to the bed, you know, I'm just kind of like, oh, it's okay. We just, we just keep going. But, you know, hearing all these stories makes me start to think, okay, this isn't, um, it's not just a little bit of extra stress or I'm just run down. I think something. Yeah. I mean, what I'm picking up on is there's actual cellular mitochondrial damage, damage happening, regardless of if it's from the Cinco G or from the virus or from the pharmaceutical agent. Um, there's a lot of cellular damage happening and it's, it's more of a challenge challenge to overcome. Yeah. So it's all about like what I'm really focusing on with myself and my patients is supporting the mitochondrial function because that is the, that is the very foundation of our health. Yeah. You know? And the mitochondrial, uh, mitochondria, those are the little organelles in our cells that produce the ATP. So it's mm -hmm. like, if we don't have ATP production, our energy is going to tank. We're not going to have the energy to overcome any sort of um, pathogen that is invading or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. So what are some things that people can do to support their mitochondrial health? Um, so mitochondrial health, there's kind of this, this idea that mitochondrial dysfunction and adrenal um, hypofunction or adrenal fatigue are very similar. Mm -hmm. So 
it's really, and it's true, there is a direct correlation between mitochondrial health and adrenal health. So -hmm. it's really about just supporting ourselves. We are so, as a society, used to just pushing through, (laughs) right? So we just push through and just do everything we can. And what people are noticing is they just can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do is go back, start hydrating ourselves, start um, sleeping when we need to sleep, not, not staying up too late, not too much screen time, all of these things, like getting out more, Mm -hmm. just supporting nature, because that's, what's going to start to regenerate that too. Yeah. And the product line, you know, one of the product lines that I use, they actually have mitochondrial food. Um, so what I love about it, um, I'll name it just because I feel like I keep referencing it. It's cell core, um, cell core biosciences. Um, that's the product line that has the binders that target specific things. So they have like a binder for heavy metals, for environmental toxins, for radiation, for viruses, et cetera. Um, but what I love about them is they have so much science behind their products because we all know that glutathione is good, right? We all know that NAC is really good for optimizing liver health. But when you think about that, if you're dealing with somebody who has been injured in any way, or they're chronically sick, or they have any sort of autoimmune, then their capacity to break down these supplements into the actual molecule that is needed for the cell or the mitochondria to use, it still depends on our own function of the liver or whatever it is that's breaking it down or metabolizing it. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that if we were to take all this glutathione that we're going to get what we need because we still have to depend on our liver to break it down. Yeah. So what they've done is they've already broken it down into the molecules that the cell needs to use. So I use it. Yeah. I use it on my, for my kids. I use it for my dog. I put it in all of their water so that I know that at least they're getting cellular support and they're optimizing their mitochondrial function throughout the day. Because if you think about it, the mitochondria like I, as I said, it supports every aspect of our health. Yeah. And if we have poor cellular health, we're not going to be healthy. No. And so, it regulates everything. It's in every organ of the body. Yeah. Um, and then think about what has been damaged after you've had the virus, our brain function, sometimes our heart, our lungs. These are the places where mitochondria are at their most, um, that's where they are mostly, you know, they have like so much more mitochondria in the brain. Yeah. Um, versus other areas of our body. And so brain fog is such a a common complaint after having the virus. So it's like, it's really about going back in and helping to nourish all of that. Wow. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. So just a little side note, but the first time I learned about mitochondria, I was obsessed with the Madeleine Langle as a kid and Wrinkle in Time was like one of my favorite books uh-huh. and her characters were like Mar- mitochondria and Farnadole. <laughs> so oh, really? I remember when I was like eight years old, I'm like, what are these? <laughs> uh-huh. um, but they're, they're very fascinating and very, very yeah. important. <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing is that that's interesting just to meet personally is uh, I had upon your recommendation in AET. Uh, oh yeah. 
session. And one of the, at the very end, we kind of looked at my supplements because I take a bunch of supplements. And uh, one of the ones that came up week two was NAC. Uh-huh. So I, I wonder if it's because I wasn't able to break it down in the way that you know, it needed was adding more stress. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that people are just like, so confused about when they come to see me, because they're like, why are you treating me for calcium and vitamin C and vitamin B and sugar and all of these things? And I'm like, because sometimes throughout our lives, because we are completely bombarded by environmental toxins. I mean, we could live the healthiest, most aware, conscious life, but there's still glyphosate in our air. There's still radiation in our water. The only way you're going to get away from radiation is to drink distilled water. We are just being bombarded from every aspect, air, water, food, soil, everything. So over time that degrades our own processes, right? Our DNA, our cellular function, our organ function, et cetera. And so what NAET does is it creates a new and healthier relationship with things like calcium or vitamin C so that it optimizes their utilization in your body. And so people are like, well, how can I be allergic to vitamin C. And it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're allergic to vitamin C. Some people can be, but really what it means is that your body isn't utilizing it to the capacity that it needs to be utilized. And so we retrain the the nervous system, the immune system to recognize it as the nutrition that it is so that it can be used at the optimum level. So it's really fascinating. So fascinating. I, a couple of years ago, stumbled upon uh, somebody who was doing uh, work on um, like trauma and the correlation to autoimmune uh, yes. type. And, and there's a lot more research that is surfacing about that. And right. it, it seems connected to what you're saying, because I think it's if the more uh, everybody's had trauma. I, I don't want to like deem that yes. trauma, but that's part of life, you know, and that what, what's really fascinating, I think personally about trauma is that like you can take twins and they could have the exact same experience and one is traumatized by it. And the other uh-huh. one, is, it's so individual. It's really right. more about your response to something. Yes. Uh, right. But that being said, you know, the, we uh, then develop mechanisms and coping strategies around that and, you know, for, for protection at that time. Um, mm-hmm. There's a really fascinating book uh, also called The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so much of it does end up being stored physiologically and we are unaware of it. But then, you know, those whatever patterns our body has, uh, you know, instinctively created to protect us at that time don't necessarily serve us, you know, uh, a week later, a month later, a year, five, 10 years later. Um, and they may be problematic because they may be blocking us from being able to process things that are then necessary and beneficial for optimization yeah. and health. Absolutely. I always learned that the physical body is the last thing to manifest. So physical disease is, it's been um, manifesting for oftentimes years or even decades before it actually surfaces. And in Chinese medicine, for instance, um, they say that internal disease begins with the emotions. And so over time, as these emotions accumulate, they become stored in different areas of the body. 
And so one of the very first things that I do with patients, especially with autoimmune, because that's what I specialize in, is I do, um, I, I obviously do the NAET, but I can do clearings through NAET with very specific um, emotions. I have like 250 emotions in my little vials and whatever is testing as a disharmony for them, we can clear those and we can, exp we can clear past experiences because they're held cellularly. But then there's also a beautiful Chinese medicine um, acupuncture treatment that is the back shoe treatment that I use on almost all of my patients who come in with chronic illness because it is so linked to emotional trauma. Yeah. And what it does is it goes into each of the points that are associated with the organ systems that hold on to the emotions that are associated with it. For instance, the lung is associated with melancholy and depression and sadness. The heart is associated with, um, like an overjoy, like a mania type anxiety, frazzled kind of energy. Um, the liver is associated with anger, frustration, irritability, and the spleen and stomach, like digestive organs are associated with worry, overthinking. Mm -hmm. And then the kidneys and urinary bladder are associated <laughs> with, with fear and overwhelm and like kind of timid shyness, right? So when I go through all of these points, it's not only a treatment, but it's also a diagnostic tool in that there's going to be certain points that flare up yeah. um, versus other ones. So if you're somebody who's coming in for depression, the lung point might have a lot of redness around it. And so I know when the treatment is over, when all of those points no longer have redness around it, because there's been a clearing there. So it's like one of those treatments where you walk out and it's just a weight has been lifted, you know, wow. it's pretty amazing. It's so amazing. And I, I just want to, for the audience to just say this, because I, I'm, I'm a skeptic a lot of the times, you know, and like, I'm very open, but you know, you have to prove me that, you know, something's yes. real. And uh, when I, you know, the whole muscle testing thing. I'm like, well, I don't understand how this could, you know, and I've had it done before and I'm kind of like, okay, you know, mm -hmm. but it's just undeniable because the body just responds and it's so tangible. It's, it's so quantifiable. And I, you know, and I, I, I was probably very difficult because I'm kind of like, ah, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it could be yeah. just anything. How does the, how does the body responding to that? You know, but then right. you test again and it yes. gets a different response. And uh, all the time, clear. all the time I have patients. This happened yesterday. It was so funny. Um, she, I, there was something that I was testing her for. And she was like, I've already been treated for that with another practitioner. I was like, okay. So I kind of mix it up and then I put it in her hand again, thinking she's thinking I'm testing her for something else. And it goes weak again. She was like, Oh, what is that one? I was like, it's the same thing. She was like, Oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I do need to be treated for that. Cause they're like, okay, wait, no, let me concentrate this time. I'm going to really concentrate, Yeah, you know, like, I know I don't like holding my arm really tight. It's, yeah. like, it's like, Oh man. Okay. I guess you're right. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I mean, the, the body knows. And I think uh... many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, oftentimes, like, we, our head can trick us much more easily. Um, right. But, you know, your body is going to, it knows it intuitively. So, have you read Power Versus Force? I haven't. Okay. So it's all about muscle testing. It's by Dr. David Hawkins. Um, He's written several books. It is so fascinating. He's the one who goes through, um, he talks about, um, oh my gosh, it just goes into like physical health, but also spiritual health, the truth of ancient texts, the truth of um, religions, just through muscle testing, Mm -hmm. where things lie. It was like, um, the the ranking and the power of one emotion over another how you know one person with who who vibrates at love can can wipe out the power of a hundred thousand who vibrate at a certain other type of emotion it's just so fascinating wow so um yeah that might be a good yeah on your bedside Uh uh-huh for sure. No, I will definitely look into that. Um, I, I think that's, a, I, when I read it, I'll have a more clear uh, concept of this. But yes, I think just based on what you said, it's really interesting to me because I've started doing some dives. Actually, the podcast I have coming out Monday is uh, about the documentary Stolen History. And it is really interesting how much of we're starting to see, I mean, they've, they've tried to erase, but we are starting to see that there may have been more knowledge in ancient civilizations than mm-hmm. we give credit to, um, that they may have known more than yeah. we, we think that we've, we've just made so many discoveries. But a lot of the discoveries that we've made were actually quite rapid, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily make sense given the uh, supposed advanced uh, level of the discovery or technology or you know what have you. So. Yeah really fascinating to me. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to read it. <laughs> so yeah. interesting. I know it's interesting because, um, you know, when Western medicine comes out, like one of the big debates is like, is it the germ theory or is it the yep. terrain theory? And it's like, why are we even having this discussion? The Chinese had this figured out 3000 years ago in the ancient texts, you know, it's, it's both. <laughs> both. And that's the, <sighs> Yeah, this bothers me so much. This bothers me so much because it's so clear with germ versus terrain theory, how people respond to it. But I see this all over the place. And, you know, when I was, a, I, I guess I was 13, 14, I, I wrote a paper. It was called The Shades of Grey. And it was yeah. all, it, really, I, I don't think I realized at the time, you know, not, 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 this, not to pat myself on the back, but I, I didn't realize how profound it was because, you know, I was just like, well, why is everybody trying to make everything black and white? Most of life is in the shades of gray. Absolutely. You know? And yes. everybody wants to do this. It's like, well, this is right. This is wrong. Well, no, you know, somebody could write a paper that has no punctuation in it. That would not mean that parts of it is wrong. You know, punctuation does actually matter and it will have a different connotation depending yes. on what punctuation you use. But that doesn't discredit everything that was in that article, right? Right, so, yep. You know, just because somebody may have a good track record doesn't mean everything they say is right. And 
the converse is true as well. Just because somebody tends to be wrong more often than they're right doesn't mean nothing they say has any validity. So, and the same goes for theories. Usually there's kind of, I think it's very complicated. And I think that we actually understand a whole lot less about viruses than we mm-hmm. report to. Uh, oh, or yeah. the medical industry has presented uh, as a narrative for us. Yeah. So that's part of the well, point. I think they use viruses as a fear tactic. I remember because um, my master's is in microbiology and I wanted to be a virologist. I wanted to, um, you know, be like in the hot zone wearing those crazy, you know, hazmat suits. Yeah. Being <laughs> with Ebola. Um, but then when I realized what virology really was, was being in the lab sitting and watching an electrophoresis gel, I was like, nope, I'm not going to do this. But I remember sitting in class and we were learning about HPV and this was in the mid nineties. So this was before there was any sort of, um, um, pharmaceutical backing or, um, you know, commercials coming out about raising awareness against HPV because they, we didn't have anything for that. Right. 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 Um, so anyway, what she was saying, the professor was saying is that everyone has it. Yeah. Everyone has it. Unless you are like an infant baby, (laughs) everyone has it. Yeah. It is not necessarily, I mean, in some ways, yes, it is an STD, but for the most part, no, it's not. And so I was like, I remember going in, you know, because that's what we do. We go in for our pap smear and, you know, if there's anything abnormal and then there's like, well, if there's abnormal, then you're dealing with an STD that could raise the da 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 da. And I'm just like, but as I learned from the academic perspective, it was like, your body takes care of it. Your body, if you have a strong enough constitution, you're not immunocompromised, your body takes care of it. You're fine. And then fast forward 10 years later, and that's when they were pushing for the HPV, like Gardasil and things like that. And it was like all this fear around it. And I was so confused. (laughs) I was actually a pharmaceutical rep at that time. And I was like, Hmm, that's not true. (laughs) Why are they scaring people for this when none of this is true? Like, why is this such a fear factor thing? So, yeah, I do believe they're kind of being weaponized against us because there is so much unknown about them Um, because they could very well be, I mean, they are very much a part of who we are and um, they're like upgrading our immune system over time, you know, so it's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just, I do believe because of the unknown, it's being used against us. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a very uh, benevolent uh, justification. <laughs> I, 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 I tend to think that they're weaponizing it more to further um, an agenda. But oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that the parallels between the uh, you know, going back to the radiation, I think that that's really indicative. That's 
Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a virologist. I don't have the background or the expertise to speak to this. Um, but my in inclination from what I do know <laughs> is that I do think there are some that are going to be much more uh, virulent and potent and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, potentially dangerous, especially for some yeah. here, you know, that than others. Uh, there are, I do think there are pathogens and that you yeah. know, people can have reactions to them. Um, yeah. But that does not mean that uh, every single thing that, you know, comes up is necessarily something that needs a pharmaceutical antidote to handle. Um, and nor do I think that even some of the most dangerous, um, you know, quote unquote, I'll put it in there, those uh, dangerous uh, pathogens that we are being told are most dangerous, are not always going to be uh, necessarily fatal or even uh, have grave consequences. I think the body is quite resilient. Right. So and yeah. that's the part that we're not being told. And I think being told, being all this fear that's being sold exacerbates. I mean, I think it's quite interesting that with the current C virus, you know, the the, the number one comorbidity is metabolic dysfunction, you know, and uh, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, that sort of thing. Yes, that yeah. makes sense because that's high inflammation uh, and it's hard, you know, where the ACE2 receptors tend to be yes. located, you know, all of that scientifically makes some sense. But the number two is anxiety. Um, <laughs> anxiety. <laughs> so if that's what's causing this, you know, the likelihood for this to be of greater severity and complication than, and comorbidity, you know, to use the technical yeah. term, then why on earth are we scaring everyone? It's all part of the plan, right? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on uh, what people can do? Because you, you seem to have had some good results with yourself and with your patient. So let's, let's reverse some of this anxiety and tell people how they can be empowered. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think just see, starting to see the reality of the situation for what it is versus what we're being told that it is, you know, to start communicating more with friends, family members, um, people are starting to understand, but Physically, I mean, it's the same thing, like getting out getting actual vitamin D. One thing that I learned that was really cool is when you get a tan in the summer, all of that, all of that tan is actual storage of your vitamin D. Really? Yeah. That's Isn't that cool. That is so cool. I so me that. trying to like prevent wrinkles, I'm not going out in the sun very much. Um, but it's like, oh my gosh, well, now I'm going to be out in the sun and the Texas sun as soon as it comes out, mm -hmm. you know, and I recently yeah. also learned that the vitamin D absorption is uh, most beneficial if it's like around the trunk. Yes. Yeah. And, and even like the buttocks. So if you can get yourself in shape and wear a thong <laughs> and be confident <laughs> out on the beach, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yes, so vitamin D exposure, definitely, I feel like we're entering, I wrote this um, on a post recently, we just entered into the year of the tiger, mm -hmm. it's all action oriented, so water tiger, we haven't seen water tiger since 1962, that was the Cuban Missile Crisis, Whoa. Um, yeah, so 
there's going to be a lot of like the tiger is the most fast acting animal of the zodiac in Chinese in Chinese zodiac. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be an all action type of year. Um, taking action, taking action for your health, et cetera. But things are going to be coming at us very quickly. And so it's also a water tiger. So in water, Chinese, in, according to Chinese medicine, water is associated with the adrenals and the kidneys. So it's all about nourishing ourselves and nourishing our, our very, our root chakra, right? Like just feeling safe, getting out of that survival mode, like stepping out of survival mode and into that safe mode being surrounded by friends and family and reconnecting with people again, because again, the tiger is very um, much of a yang energy. So it's about being out more and being with community. Right. So I think just reconnecting, getting our immune system supported by connecting with other people, stepping out of that fear, supporting our adrenals, start drinking tea versus like acidic coffee you know, just little things like that, that can make differences, making wow. sure that you're getting enough sleep and, um, and really just the thing that keeps coming back to me with water is just that fear aspect, you know, yeah. it's like, there might still be, I feel like there's going to be a lot more propaganda but we're going to be able to see it more clearly. And I'm already seeing that with like the things that are happening in Canada. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, we see the reality of like live, you know, the, the live videos, but then when we see it from the news perspective, it is completely opposite of what's really happening. So it's like, I think things like that are going to be something to recognize. So get out in the sun. Don't be afraid to get a suntan you know, get it for as long as you want, like really go into those fall and winter months with some, you know, tan on you yeah. and start reconnecting. Wow. Yeah. Well, those are, you know, fairly simple things people can do and they're so basic and they're so yeah. fundamental, you know, I, yeah, it's interesting about, I, again, the propaganda and the fear, right? Because we've been taught that the sun is bad for you. We've been taught that it creates oh, wrinkles yeah. and, you know, and granted, you know, the sun isn't bad. It's, it's overexposure in a concentrated period of time. And that's mm -hmm. true with anything. And I think that that's really one of the biggest lessons that keeps popping up for me personally uh, recently yeah. is that it's really about balance, right? The body wants to be in homeostasis. And so does, you know, that's true for our emotional state, our mental state and certainly our physiological state yes. you know um so but it, it's true for so many things it's not it's not that the sun is bad it's it's about the balance we can't have too little can't have too much mm -hmm. um so yeah so it's good to bring that back that you know the sun is okay and that you know we should enjoy some sunshine and get outside you know our society mm -hmm. is so conditioned to be inside in cubicles and yeah and now with um you know, classes and everything and so many meetings being on Zoom. It's yeah. like, we really have to make an effort to be outside. And to see people physically, there's such yes. a, so I, I will say this, you know, I, I think you know my story, I think most of my audience knows the story, but I'll repeat it for those who may be new or who don't know it. Um, but, you know, I started this podcast because I was so depressed. 
from yeah. the isolation and uh, from everybody's faces being covered. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand them because I'm hearing yeah. them and I yeah. so heavily on this the lip reading. Um, and I, I do feel that it, it, it was tremendous for me just to be able mm-hmm. to see a face and to be able to communicate and have conversations and discourse about things that I find fascinating and yeah. learn from people, but it's not the same, which is part of why I built like the in-person studio for the people who are local and, you know, yes. that will continue to grow. And I am starting a show with people physically present um, because we are electromagnetic beings and our electromagnetic field resonate. And, yeah. you know, both, it goes both ways. We feel that energy from other people and we give that energy to other people. And it has an impact on us on every level, like to the cellular level, it affects mm-hmm. us. And so it's not the same. And right. to have that shift from humanity and then wonder why people have this uptick of being sick is just right. kind of, yeah, doesn't make much sense at all. So, yeah. Yeah. So what for the radiation, it, uh-huh. what you were saying, there's this, the cell core uh, products and is there any other things that people can do for, I know you're saying um, you with the NAT and. Uh, yeah, had- so I use NAET to help clear the radiation. Um, but the, the thing with the NAET is you can't just jump in and be like, oh, find an NAET practitioner and say, I want a re- radiation treatment. You, you have to build up to those treatments. Um, we have to do usually 15 treatments just to have like your cellular function to where you can go to a different treatment. So that's not really a quick fix. A more of a quick fix is going to be, um, drinking distilled water because there's radiation in our water. Um, if you live in Texas, we're the most highly radiated, um, state where it's like 800 times the limit of radon in our water. And only way that um, they've actually found to get radiation out is through distilled water. So what I do is I drink distilled water in a jug, which is terrible because the BPA and the plastic, right? But I take a binder with it that targets that. I take a biotoxin binder that targets the BPAs and I flush that out. So I've actually felt so much better drinking the distilled water. Um, if you don't want to do distilled water, you can do distilled water plus minerals. Um, I have a bottle of minerals that I add and the way that the minerals from cell core work is they are one of those that feed the mitochondrial directly. So I'm kind of getting two birds with one stone distilled water with the minerals. Can um, I ask uh-huh. you about distilled water. So uh, do you distill it yourself? You buy distilled water? How- so you can buy this. You- I buy distilled water just because I haven't made the financial commitment to get an actual product put into my kitchen. Um, But I, you can go to purewater.com. I'm pretty sure that's it. Purewater.com. And it has different um, instruments or distillers that you can put by your sink. And just depending on what you or your family's needs are, they have different sizes in different capacities. So I haven't made the leap yet. I'm still using Berkey on the side, but then there's this part of me, like in the back of my mind where I'm like, okay, I'm still getting radiation. So I'll just take the radiation binder when I drink that water, um, or I will go load up on distilled water from the grocery store. So, sorry, I have another question. When uh-huh. you distill the water, let's say you do get this uh, yes. product to uh-huh. the radiation process, do you also filter? 
because right we have yeah um i don't think so i don't think that it needs to be from purewater.com you you can learn more through their website but yeah. my understanding is no you don't have to further um filter it okay okay mm -hmm. yeah because I, I but filtering and distilling aren't quite the same right right so have, yeah so all right well we'll go look at purewater.com and yeah that's a good question but my understanding is you don't have to filter it after that mm -hmm. okay and then uh, what were some of the other things for that you were saying there's the binders to take? Yeah, so they have a Virad Chem binder um, that targets viruses, radiation, and chemicals. So that was the binder I've been using for myself. Um, pretty, I, I've pretty much been using that as my basic binder that I take daily. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've been giving it to patients who are having similar, similar issues with their hair. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, also what I've noticed is um, when I don't take my binder, when I do come in contact with somebody who has recently had the pharmaceutical agent that um, I start to get trigeminal neuralgia, my face starts to tingle and go numb. And that was actually, when that happened several weeks ago, that's when I just put my foot down and said, we can't have any more, any, any more of my patients come in who have recently had it because so it was so drastic. I had to cancel my patients for the end of the day because my energy was tanked. My face was numb and in pain. Um, it was crazy. Wow. Um, I'm curious, you, you said it's a three week period. Now, is there yes. any logic behind that or is, yeah. So we, the logic comes from the replication of the spike proteins. So we know that it's like mass replication in the, those first two weeks. So I just added on another week to give it a little bit of a, a bumper. It may not be long enough. I don't know, but I do know like when that patient came in who had had it two days before and I walked in and immediately felt that, that I was, something's going on. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I know that this is definitely not conclusive. We, we, we really don't know, at least from my understanding. Um, but they say there's no off mechanism. So theoretically, they could continue to be, uh, I mean, producing yeah. like protein factory, right? To keep producing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've had plenty of patients come in who have had it. Um, and there's certain times where I feel it and certain times where I don't. And mm -hmm. it's the only time I've really felt it is in that acute phase right after they've had it. So I'm not saying that it doesn't sure. shut off, right. um, but just how we're feeling and when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply how they're expelling it or, you know, how it's sh shedding or transmitting, whatever term you want to use. Right. So I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I don't know if you have thoughts on it, but how much of it do you think is, uh, do you think it is the, the, the protein itself? Do you think it's uh, the radiation? Do you think it's a combination? Do you think, 
you know, I, I've done some research that does seem to indicate there's a, what they call binary weapon. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually think this is just my theory. Again, yeah. I won't really disclose that theory. This isn't a necessarily conclusive fact. Um, but my theory is that both the virus as well as the, um, you know, pharmaceutical agent are binary weapons. Um, yeah. I think that the a pharmaceutical agent, the binary weapon is uh, done through a mechanism of payloads. So I don't think that the full expression has been uh, executed yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's kind of scary to think about, which is why I think it's great to have these conversations so we can start to maybe get ahead of it a little bit, um, get ahead of how to find some antidotes. Um, But yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on all of that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. I think that you're spot on. when, when I, it's, it's funny how all these things happen. Like the other morning I woke up to an email from Dr. McCullough and it was talking about how the evidence from Israel was coming in that by the fourth one, mm-hmm. sorry, let me take a sip real quick. Yeah. By the fourth one that they're starting to see, um, acquired immune deficiency, right? I saw that. Um, And then that was the morning where my first patient had to cancel because her son who had recently had his second one had the virus again for the second time in two months. So I'm like, wow, is it happening that fast? You know, in a certain population. Um, Yeah, it's concerning. It's like now we're having to deal with a new type of HIV AIDS potentially you know, but they're, and then did you see how they're coming out with, um, they're doing a study right now on mRNAs for the treatment of AIDS. Why is, why is that coming back in the news? Maybe because they created something, right? Right. And they need a solution. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, it seems likely, but I think people should be really cautious about using the same theoretical yes. <laughs> for the thing that is causing the problem. Um, <laughs> that logic might indicate that's not the best idea. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm hoping my my hope in all of this and what I'm seeing is that people are turning away from the medical system. Yeah, they don't have the answers. They don't. I mean, I've had to sit down with a mom whose son was injured and she wants to know the answers. And I'm like, we don't have them because we don't know what we're dealing with. This is new. This is experimental. Um, But I can tell you that those of us who look at things differently and look at things more deeply and on a bigger scale versus going to a neurologist, a cardiologist, a gastroenterologist, all of these different specialties, they're only going to band-aid their own specialty, right? Right. With the symptoms that are presenting. They isolate, they compartmentalize. Yes, they isolate, they compartmentalize. Everything is just, here's a, here's Body is so integrated. And it's like, you, you're not going to get very far with them. Versus if you come to a practitioner like myself, who has had experience with working with pharmaceutically injured patients before, at least we can start to see patterns and we know what's worked before, you know, and you have more of a chance. 
we see things like there's always an interconnection. You know, why is the gut not working? Why is there, why have the headaches not gone away in six months? Like there's a connection there. It's not separate. So I'm hoping that this starts to wake people up to the fact that for the most part, Western medicine does not have many answers, Um, especially helping with chronic illness, pharmaceutical injury, um, you know, most of the things that we all suffer from, you know, so. And and certainly, you know, I think there's a place for, you know, acute medicine. for sure. Yes. But I think that a lot of the uh, acute uh, conditions that people deal with would be uh, mitigated or at least somewhat ameliorated if they didn't have the underlying chronic conditions that they're, mm-hmm. right? Like it makes a, it's like the, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, and, and that's not always the case. Sometimes there is, I mean, when, you know, if you have an injury, like you, your yes. arm sliced, like you need to deal yes. with it. Um, you know, there, there are those instances as well. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on the future of medicine. Cause you were saying like that you're, you're hoping people start to wake up to the, the fact that uh-huh. Western medicine doesn't have all the answers, <laughs> contrary to what, you know, the MSM might tell you. Um, yeah. um, I don't know if we spoke about this at our last, uh, on our last podcast together, but did I tell you about my hypnosis session? Your what? And what my hypnosis session? Oh, I don't think so. Okay, so over the summer, I went. I had um like a three hour hypnosis session. Wow! And I was a certified hypnotist when I first graduated from college. Yeah. So, so I, it was more of like a very esoteric spiritual one where, um, I was taken to three different lifetimes and one of the lifetimes I was just a spirit in space, but to to go through it, please. And with that lifetime, what I saw were some bad things happening to humanity. Um, with with this with the narrative that's been going on over the past two years um and how radiation and synco g has been playing a part in that but towards the end of my hypnosis what i started seeing is the crumbling of the major structures right the crumbling of i saw hospitals and er's and capital cities and all these major buildings that represent government and medicine starting to crumble. And I saw um, people starting to use things out like naturally resourced, you know, growing their own food, using practitioners like myself who are board certified herbalists, you know, just going back to nature because that was crumbling and I literally saw the crumbling happen. So, and it's interesting because from an astrological perspective, I think you and I have touched on this. We are um, this year starting 2022 and starting February this month, yeah. we as Americans are entering into our first Pluto return. Yep. So this is the time of revolution. 
Yep. Our Pluto, our natal Pluto, and where Pluto is now is in Capricorn. Capricorn rules governments, banks, money systems, hospital systems, all of these things that are in control, right? But what does Pluto do? Pluto is the god of the underworld. He shows, when Pluto comes, he shows all the ugliness and darkness and it comes to the surface, okay? Right. Um, Pluto is also the phoenix. It's so emotional. So, yeah. <laughs> as these things come to the surface and they start to crumble, they become ash so that they can rise again from the ash. So we are going to see a crumbling of so many things like the media, corporations, etc. Um, and what we do with that, what we do with the ash in order to create, we don't know. That's when we kind of enter into that new Aquarian age. Um, in a positive sense, Aquarian energy is all about people, the power of the people coming together. It's, um, it's an energy of rebellion and taking power back. And so it'll be interesting to see once we get through our Pluto return, because we're just now entering it. And right. it's going to be, um, I would say probably the end of 2024 is when things are crumbled and we start to build. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we progress through this, but I think we're slowly, people are starting to wake up and see the reality. So again, my hope is that we go back to nature. We come together as a people, we start to use our voice, which I think this year is going to be a good time to do that. And yeah. start to move forward, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I so much of that really resonates very, very deeply for me. Um, there is an element of I, I fear is not the right word, but concern because you know, a lot of people, and I saw this, I, I think the, the GameStop incident was a very indicative of this mindset. There was there were the people who were just like, yeah, we're going to stick it to the man, kind of, you know, right? Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, that that's not really what uh, that was about. And that's not the lesson I think that should have been learned. You know, so uh, I'll clarify what I mean by that. A lot of people were like, oh, all the banks are going to crumble. You know, the whole system, the fiat system is going to be gone. And, you know, now we yeah. have power to the people and Nasera Jacera. And the reality of all of that is while, you know, in the fantasy world, if we were making a two hour movie, that sounds great. However, the, the truth of the matter is that anytime there's a paradigm shift, anytime, you know, an old, uh, you know, uh, belief or structure is torn down, there is a major disruption. There's major mm -hmm. upheaval. There, there's a lot of um, loss in the process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that, that is on many levels that can be people that can be systems that, you know, there's, there's an implosion and a, a complete destruction and loss and a destabilization, which is not pleasant. You know, that, that is not the goal. So I, I say all this to say that while I do think there needs to be a revival and a restoration, um, I'm hoping that people hearing this are starting to take some measures to, and I know there, I, I have friends who are doing this, who, you know, are starting to build their, their path forward for themselves and for their families. Um, so that when, if this does happen, you know, there are communities and there are yeah. people who are so solvent and sovereign 
um, and able to withstand the that interim period of uh, uh, destruction, destabilization, and loss. Because right. you know, as beautiful as the the rebuilding will be, and I do believe it will be. I mean, I can feel mm-hmm. like a I'm going to sound crazy when I say this, but I'll say it anyway, but it feels like a magical rebirthing aura. You know, it just feels beautiful as you described it. Um, but the truth of the matter is to, you know, to get to the zenith of anything is a lot of work and it right. in the process. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. That was really long. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I, I agree. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but just staying grounded is going to be important. And then finding the community and your support. Mm -hmm. And I think learning these things. So learning some of the alternatives, like uh, some of the things you you brought up were, I think are just really key to outline. You, you brought up people building their, you know, growing their own food, you know, starting with distilling their own water, uh, Mm -hmm. finding herbalists, herbal uh, medical who can support them medically uh, finding practitioners like yourself that are more holistic oriented, mm-hmm. um, you know, and starting to be, you know, baby steps into some of these things, but looking at what are the pathways uh, yeah. so that if there is a change in a system that they're, they're not just uh, taken in the tsunami. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, what I, what I found that was really interesting that I've never had happen before, because I've been in private practice now for 10 years is last year I started having people come in and just say, there's nothing wrong with me, but I am here to to establish a relationship with you because I want you on my healthcare team so that when the time comes or if the time comes, you know me, you know my case and you can help me, you know, versus people coming in and saying, I need your help now. Right. It's like people are thinking forward and saying, okay, how, how am I getting myself prepared? And I've been doing that too. Like I've decided to not just work with people in Houston, but I just launched online. So I'll be doing health consulting online for people because it's such a need. You, you don't, you don't have that anymore, or perhaps we never did with our primary care practitioner or physicians. And so this is a way that you can touch base with somebody who knows what they're doing, is experienced, and they can, you can actually have personalized healthcare. You know, That's amazing. you don't have to go through the medical system to do it. That is so. It is changing. Yeah. And that's so encouraging to hear that, that people are taking action and that they are starting mm-hmm. to see this and have some foresight. Um, yeah. And that not having to go through the medical system is huge. I will tell you, I'm, I have a very unique situation with my eye. It's not a normal eye in any regard, um, you know, and uh, I, I need to see somebody and that is pretty specialized. You know, a lot of people who yes know the whole body, don't really know the eye. It's a very complex organ. And I have had referrals to uh, physicians who, you know, they thought would be very aligned and understanding of the fact that, you know, this eye is hanging on by a thread. Like the optic nerve is just barely, Mm -hmm. it's very precarious uh, situation. And so it needs, it needs attention, but they're, they're so in the box. And even these practitioners who I was instructed would be understanding I cannot wear a mask it causes chalazians on the eye I see out of there's something mm-hmm. about the uh, bacterial response I have a very small face yes. part of it it's just too close to my eye I don't know what it is I you know 
All I know is the result. And when I wear the mask for extended periods of time, that is what happens to me. And I see out of that eye, I need that eye to function. I need it not to be problematic. Um, and I cannot, and I'm not taking, you know, injections. So, um, and I've had several of them tell me that they will not see me. Wow. And that is incredibly concerning. It's because they're in this, uh, you know, traditional medical system. And, uh, you know, to find somebody who is outside of that system who can still pay some attention, you would think that somebody who is in the business of the wellness and health of people um, would be concerned about that and, uh, you know, have some sort of understanding. I mean, and if it needs to be you know, a, an after hour, you know, that something needs to be worked out though. This is, this is a problem that needs to be solved. Um, And I think it's why we're seeing such an, uh, a rise in people, you know, over the past two years, uh, dying of other things that could have been prevented, like cancers that are treatable and, you know, uh, other sorts of conditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, I mean, last thing, but my mom, um, she has in-stage COPD and she went to her doctor because she was feeling miserable. And the doctor was like, you need to go to the hospital. And she was like, well, admit me. He goes, I can't. So her pulmonologist wouldn't, couldn't admit her and her primary care couldn't admit her because of new policies around the virus. So she had to go home. She could barely walk, get her stuff packed, drive herself to the ER and hope that the ER would see her and admit her because doctors aren't allowed to admit their patients anymore. What the heck? She was like, and she was telling me when she got to the hospital, she had never seen a hospital so overwhelmed that all the hallways had beds in them with people just lying in the beds in the hospital. And I'm like, what is going on? All because of new virus policies like this makes no sense so she she and she was like if I die you better you better sue them and I'm like (laughs) like I don't have time for that come on uh but it's just crazy that is it is the just the lack of care yes the lack of care that that's over this and they keep blaming it on this one thing yeah and it's like think of all the people who've slipped through the cracks, who've needed support and they're not getting the support. So now is the time to take wherever your health is and do your best to optimize it. There's so much information out there. Just grab somebody like myself who knows what they're doing, can walk you through it, that you can be your strongest and, you know, face whatever may come, you know, because the last thing that I want to do is be in the hospital right now or have to go to the, you know, have to rely on my doctor. For sure. Is your, is your mom okay now? Oh, she's in the hospital. I mean, she, she got a, um, she finally got a room. She was like laying in the ER for like three days before she got a room. It was crazy. I mean, she's okay, but. Wow. Yeah. When my mom uh, got the virus, I, I literally fought with her four times a day not let her go to the hospital yes um yes and i mean we really fought and if she's watching she'll she'll know we really fought um but i did have a conversation with her it was you know a while afterwards and she said i know you saved my life mm-hmm. um because they wanted to put her on uh you know one of the the r uh yeah uh 
pharmaceutical that uh, is has now yes. now coming out that it is toxic and it is killing people. And yeah. I knew that that's what the doctors were recommending for her. That was why they were telling her to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, no. And I literally, I, was like, I wasn't there, yeah. but if I had been there, I would have like held her down. I know. Like, no, you can't go. So well, that's another thing they don't have. We, they don't have advocates anymore. So I couldn't be at the hospital if I wanted to, you know, it's just so sad which is so sad and to cut, you know, that, that's the thing they've shown, uh, yeah. you know, so many studies have shown that people's survival rate is uh, uh, the extension of their life is predicated on having loved ones around them. Um, yeah. And to put these people, even the people who are at the end to have yeah. them go, you know, cut off from their loved ones is just, I, I mean, that's just so cruel. It's it so, is. Cruel. it is absolute cruelty, all of this. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, whatever people's personal beliefs about, you know, what happens after we leave this physical realm, you know, that that's their belief, but to rob them of their final moments being surrounded by loved ones is just, I, I, there are very few things that are as cruel as that. I agree. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so, wow, well, tell everybody where they can find you. And definitely if you have any other things you want to add, yeah, please. This was wonderful. Um, well, I am active on Instagram at Phoenix rising medicine, and you can find where to work with me, um, on my link tree. So okay, yeah, just leads you to my website or my booking or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And now you're online practice, which is awesome. I yeah. Have you started or are you just a... Yeah, I launched, I launched this week and I've already had maybe four or five wow. people start. So it's been okay. exciting. Yeah, yeah it's super, super exciting. I, how is that in terms of, because I know some of what you do uh, is, you know, very... Oh, on, yeah. on hands-on? Yeah. Hands-on, yeah. Okay, so what I do... Um, with my patients online is we do blood chemistry panels and there's so much that we can go into with um, the blood chemistry and your analysis. And then I do like a four month program or an eight month program. So the four month is just kind of getting an overall idea. We don't do too many functional medicine tests. We just run the blood chemistry panel. Okay. And then based on what comes back, I put you on a customized protocol and then we touch base twice a month. So you have me for 30 minutes, you know, twice a month, and then I'm there for you via email anytime. And then it's not like I just cut you off at four months. You can continue <laughs> working with me. It's just, that's a good time to kind of get started. Yeah. And then for people that really have challenges, like health challenges, I have an eight month program where we do much more extensive testing to kind of determine just more of the root cause to figure out because when it comes to Western medicine, they come in with the diagnosis and they treat the diagnosis, but the diagnosis doesn't tell us anything. Um, it doesn't tell us about what's causing it. So if you treat what's causing it, then you can usually overcome and prevent, you know? Right. So, so that's more of a deep dive. Um, and then again, just one-on-one -on -one consulting, working with nutrition, diet, lifestyle, um, herbs, supplements, mm -hmm. things like that. I am so not an over supplementer. I am not one of those people that give you like 30 supplements. It's like, I'm like, okay, what can we take away? You know? 
Um, but really just having that person that's like, okay, uh, I need help here in this situation. Do I need to go to my doctor or is this something that can be handled naturally? And usually when it comes to chronic illness, it's something that can be handled naturally. Which is amazing. That That's mm-hmm. so encouraging, right? I think, um, I, I just want to say this, that I think that a lot of people see that as um, discouraging because it requires so much more work and so much more time. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think the flip side of that is it's incredible that you don't need to, you know, increase your risk by taking something else that may have another contraindication or create another problem and the body can heal itself and you just need to guide it that's that's exactly it is it is so encouraging yeah awesome well thank you thank uh, you so much This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.